Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. Um, my name is James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon or evening, whenever and wherever you tune into the podcast from, and uh, never more relevant than when I've got guests from far afield and over there on the other side of the pond. We are joined on the podcast by some American friends today, um, and we're going to be talking a lot about AV um, and some really interesting stuff that's happening over there, some really interesting discussions. But before we get into today's topic, we welcome our guests. First of all, Chief Event Einstein from Endless Events over in Phoenix, Arizona. Mr. Will Curran joins us. Will, how are you doing? Hey, James. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, it's a beautiful morning and super excited to be here. Fantastic. And uh, joining us from uh, just outside Minneapolis in Minnesota, Brand Kruger joins us. Brand is a technical producer, educator and consultant within the events industry. Brand, great to have you on the show today. It's an absolute pleasure. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> great to have you on the show. And for those of you who are watching the video of today's show, um, you will undoubtedly see the professional setup that my guests have available to them today. As I said off air before we began recording, I feel vastly inadequate with my equipment today. Um, and that is because my guests, Will and Brand, um, host their own podcast. Um, let's give that a quick mention, guys, before we get into today's episode so that our followers can get over and check yours, uh, yours out as well. Will, tell us a little bit about your podcast. Um, so Brand and I are both co-hosts on a podcast called Event Icons, uh, where we interview the icons of the events industry. Uh, it's at almost 200 episodes now, running for four years, um, and pretty much everything from large-scale festivals to big, gigantic corporate events and everything in between. Um, and then I'll talk about my new one, so Brand can talk about uh, the one that we do together, because <laughs> that's the one I think people will be more interested in. But then we also have a a new podcast called Event Brew um, that I'm co-hosting with some other people. Unfortunately, not Brand, but Brand and I are on so many podcasts together. We figured we need a break from each other. Our new podcast, Event Brew, is kind of like the view for the events industry. It's all opinion-based, um, timely-based uh, reactions to what's going on in the industry, um, and kind of saying the things that no one else is saying um, and having a frank discussion about. It. So, yeah, Event Icons and Event Brew, and you can get Event Icons at www.event-icons.com and Event Brew is just eventbrew.com. But the one that we're going to be talking probably a little bit more about is our other podcast, which I'll let Brant explain. <laughs> yeah, Brant, over, over to you. Tell us a little bit about this, this mystery podcast. Well, we uh, just at the beginning of this year resurrected uh, a podcast that had uh, previously existed. Will and I had been bouncing around starting a podcast dedicated specifically to event tech. And uh, we, you know, kept going, we literally sat down and came up with like 100 different names and kept coming back to the event tech podcast, <laughs> uh, but that name had already been using, uh, used by, by another person. And we actually approached uh, uh, John about it and we're like, hey, you haven't posted in a while. Would you mind if we took over the name and everything? And he was kind enough to let us do that. So, uh, so another weekly podcast. We've been doing it, uh, I think, since January of this year. So starting to stack up the episodes on that as well, where we start to deep dive and get a little nerdy into some of the event tech. And we've been lucky enough to have uh, Adam Perry on uh, as one of our guests on that show. And uh, it's been a lot of fun and it was some, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. So if you want to get a little bit more specific into event technology, whether you're a planner or a supplier, that's the one we uh, like to point you towards. Absolutely. So I've, I've, I feel like it's, it's brothers in arms today because even though this is the, the event industry news podcast, inevitably, because you know we are also behind um, the event technology awards in the UK and, and event tech live, um, the show that a lot of our listeners will be aware of. Um, there are always uh, a lot of technology and event technology discussions 
discussions that take place on this podcast. So it's fantastic to have, uh, as I say, brothers in arms in the podcast world joining us today. Um, and, on, and on with the subject of, of today's podcast. Um, we're loosely calling it AV malpractice, which instantly is going to stir some opinions and perhaps ears are going to prick up and go, what malpractice? You know, they're going to talk ill of people. Um, and it's perhaps not talking ill of people, but it's certainly looking at a subject that has prompted some discussion, as I understand it, um, in your neck of the wood, guys. Um, most of our podcast listeners and followers will be no doubt aware of um, in-house suppliers that are prevalent in most of the major event venues. It's something that's commonplace and common practice, not just in the UK, not just in Europe, but the wor worldwide in the events industry. Um, whether that be food, it could be Wi-Fi, it could be stand builds. Um, today, I think very much we're looking at the subject of, of AV. And I'm curious to know, first of all, guys, and feel free to, to, to decide who takes the lead on it, but what prompted this original sort of discussion and, and what's going on at the moment for people to start talking about in-house suppliers specifically when it comes to AV? Yeah, so this all kind of stemmed from, uh, ironically, Brands and I's long conversations that we have over ham biscuits at many conferences. And um, essentially, so everyone has a little bit of background, Brant and I have an AV background. So uh, I own an AV company that does events all over the United States. Uh, Brant is a technical producer who advises companies in choosing their AV companies. Um, and helping them figure out the right technologies for their events. And um, we've always had these long conversations about AV because that's our backgrounds, right? We mm -hmm. know we know it, um, and we're constantly talking to clients about the issues they're running into. And like you said, the, all the in-house mumbo-jumbo, the technical mumbo-jumbo going on. Well, um, all this kind of accumulated with um, – uh, a new series that um, that we started at Endless called the AV Audit. And the AV Audit's where we break down AV quotes line by line. And um, essentially, uh, we, we were doing it and Brant was like, hey, we should do one as a crossover onto the Event Tech Podcast. I got a quote for you. And I was like, <laughs> oh God. Like, if you got a quote for me, this must be like a good piece of humor <laughs> or like I, it's going to make me cringe um, and definitely the latter. And um, the term AV malpractice came from when we were doing this crossover. So if, I think it's, I don't know what the episode number was for Event Tech Podcast, but if you just look up AV audit on Event Tech Podcast, um, Brand shared us a quote and I literally, I think about halfway through, I just said, I think this is an AV malpractice. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if I coined the term in some ways, <laughs> but it was so bad. But Brant, if you maybe want to explain a little bit about what was going on in that quote and kind of all the issues that we discovered. Yeah, I think that's probably a good a place to start as any is, is talking specifically about quoting. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, what we're seeing in the industry is, and, and, and just to get this out of the way, first and foremost. I am not one of these people that are like, oh, you have to use the third party always and, you know, and the in-house AV is terrible and you should never use them. I am firmly in the camp of there's a time and a place for all the different AV models that are out there. There's a time and a place to buy your own gear. Mm -hmm. There's a time and a place for the in-house. There's a time and a place for, uh, you know, for third parties. So just to get that kind of out, I don't have a dog in this hunt. I want to use whatever's going to be best for my clients, you know, for, you know, what's going to keep the relationship going, what's going to give them the best event. So that's, you know, just to clear that up. So, but this particular example is definitely one of the most egregious examples. And it definitely got us thinking about what constitutes AV malpractice. So in this particular event, 
the one that I had the guys go through and we went through it line by line. I started with the opening bid. Now, just a, you know, medium sized conference for an association, nothing too crazy, a nice little general session, some breakout sessions. Um, you know, we had seven breakout session rooms mm -hmm. uh, spanning three days, maybe 12, eight to 12 hours total. So, sure. you know, three, three hours here, four hours here, three hours there spanning maybe three days. Um, projector screens, small sound system what sort of audience sizes are we talking about nothing significant yeah, a couple maybe like the biggest sessions were maybe a couple hundred um, sure. so not giant no not not nothing too crazy um a couple, there were, yes, there were a couple things that were a little unusual. They wanted to record each session. Um, so they wanted a video of each session. So, you know, I would, you know, go ahead and take a guess, uh, Jamie. I don't know if you're, you know, if you're comfortable throwing out a number, but, um, you know, it's. So it's, we're looking uh, for a total price. Yeah. For Seven, a yeah. Yeah. And pound to US conversion is relatively close, I think, as we're doing. This. It is, it is, it yeah. is. For the purpose of this, I yeah. will, I will, I will, you know, fly into your camp and go into <laughs> and, 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 and I will say $2,000, something ridiculous. I don't know. I'm thinking a yeah. small, a small PA system with maybe a lectern and a microphone, you know, maybe that's a, you know, a couple of hundred on an average quote, um, times five rooms is a thousand, you know, maybe a few other bits and pieces and projectors. You've got some crew costs in there, maybe some logistics. So for something small and those sort of numbers in terms of the amount of people there, I would say maybe two and a half thousand, that sort of ballpark. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that, that would probably be pretty low, especially considering we have, uh, you know, uh, actual camera. So you're gonna have to have a camera person in each room. So okay, we'll, so, we'll buff yeah. that up. And I think even on the outside, you're looking for a third party to come in, you'd probably be looking at, I don't know, well, the 30 to 50 at, on the, on, yeah. on the, you know, 30 to $50,000 okay. on that. Um, so yeah. this, this opening bid, our first foray, you know, into this, you know, our relationship with an in-house AV provider was $350,000. Uh, for what I just described. And I mean, so I, when I, I contacted the planner and I, I was literally, I, are you sitting down? No, seriously, are you sitting down? Because your mind is about to explode. And, um, and so we, I didn't even have to get that deep into it. You know, first of all, they handed me, and for the folks that are listening, I'm, I'm showing a 65 page uh, re, you know, quarter ream of paper uh, that was that I was eventually had to go through on this. So this this bid for seven rooms for four days, you know, was sixty five pages of stuff because every single room had its own boilerplate information. You know, the 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 you know the terms and conditions and all that kind of stuff had you know two pages of that, three pages of that, um, which made it really hard to go through. And said so each... that's not a quote, that's legislation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so when I did the AV audit with the guys, I had to send it in a zip file. You know, they're like, wait, why are you sending it? It's like, because it's not one PDF. It was 11 <laughs> PDFs. Each like 10 back. pages long. Right. So each one, you know, many, many pages long. So as soon as I started going in line by line and looking at this thing, there were a lot of red flags, uh, including, uh, you know, I'm literally looking at the first page as we're doing it, you know, every single uh, microphone cable. So, you know, 20, 25 foot microphone cables per room at $7 a cable, you know. Uh, well, the, whereas the, most of the companies right. I've seen quotes for would put cable package. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Might, okay. yeah, yeah. You know, you put a flight case together with cables in it that you think this is, this will allow us to do whatever we need to do on this particular job, and it's sure. quoted as a cable package, is how I would see it. Exactly, exactly. Or you know, tape, you know, tape and expendables, things like that. You'll see a line item for mm -hmm. expendables. Yeah. Well, well, each one of these rooms had something like five or six rolls of gaff tape at $30 a piece per room. Um, you which know, is way too much, which is way yeah. too much, by the way. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, I mean, we, all so, love, we all love a bit of tape, but that's, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. That's a lot of tape for, for all those cables. So every like, single yeah. cable, every single piece, you know, all, you know, ridiculous amounts of tape. Um, the, the, the video, like I said, we were going to be videoing each one. Each one had like four 500 gigabyte hard drives listed per room for about eight hours of footage at, you know, you know, 500 bucks per, you know, per drive, you know, that kind of that level of thing to the point where when we, we had our, our onsite, you know, a, a, a week after we got this opening bid and the planner basically sat down when, as soon as we sat down with the AV person and the salesperson, all that kind of, she's like, I want to take this to like the state's attorney general, because this is the <laughs> most ludicrous thing I've ever seen in my life. And so we just started, you know, I, I went through like maybe five things. I didn't even get to the, the sound equipment or any of yeah, that. Yeah, there the was actual, so many like, other loops. highly yeah. technical stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Will and I and, and Andrew went through this thing line by line and started red flagging all of the things for people to look at. Um, and it, it, you know, after we went through all this, you know, we, we eventually got to a relatively reasonable but still highly overpriced uh, thing. But after a certain point, they're like, well, you just got to start cutting stuff. It's like, Okay, so, you know, and, and what really, really, really was frustrating. <laughs> I, I would suggest four rolls of tape per yeah, room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I think we can be okay with one spread across four of them. Um, you know, once we got rid of all of that and, and all of the extra stuff, we still wound up having to cut stuff. And instead of recording all seven rooms, we only recorded one, that kind of thing. But what was really frustrating is that we had a quote from a third party AV company, the one who we were bringing in for the general session, to do like all of that for $70,000, let's just say. I don't remember what the original opening sure, yeah, was at yeah. this point. Um, but everything, you know, and without cutting anything, you know, so, so we would have had the full, you know, the full RFP completely fulfilled exactly as we wanted it for a quarter of the cost of, you know, what, you know, what it, uh, what it wound up being. And so it's, it's really frustrating for me as someone who does advocate for the different models and the different use cases to have someone try and hit you that hard with an opening bid. And I went to the guy, you know, pulled him aside afterwards and was like, Hey man, did you really expect us to sign off on that bid? And he said, Oh God, no, but that's where they wanted me to start. And so that means it's coming down from the top, right? It's being pushed down from, you know, management at these major in-house AV companies. And that is really frightening to me that, you know, given all of the, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm blathering. No, 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 I was, I was, I was, I was going to ask. So, 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 so for complete clarity here, we're not going to name yeah. the company. We're not going to name yeah. the company. No, no. It's an in-house nope. supplier at a venue. Yeah. And, yes. and something I'm curious to ask, does that company also work as a, touring contractor so do they work exclusively within that venue or can they also deliver you know third party um uh, you know services to, to events outside of the venue that we're talking about uh they i believe are exclusively in-house um mm -hmm, i right. don't believe they they 
you know, Will, I think you kind of know who we're talking about. Uh, I don't yeah, think yeah. they yeah, do anything outside. I of mean, they're company. owned by a really big company yes. uh, that with, does. With mega mergers core. going on, they are, right. yes, uh, it's, it's all connected uh, at the top. Sure. <laughs> so, so, so this, like I said, this, this is in-house. And, and um, I, I'm curious, that there's all sorts of stuff that we need to ask and, and that we can now talk <laughs> about here. And, um, and certainly something that... Um, that rings immediately to me was something that I stumbled across in a conference that I was at recently that was nothing to do with the events industry. It was actually to do with the, the construction industry uh, and the home building industry. And they were talking about um, construction contractors and uh, looking carefully at quotes and prices. And there are some comparisons here. So I'll see if I can make this as, as clear as possible. And one of the things that, uh, in one of the sessions that a guy talked about was hugely inflated, inflated prices for a particular element of the construction process that just stands out really obviously, you know, crazy. Why are they charging that amount? And, and he said it's because they don't want that business, that particular element of it, so what they'll do is they'll charge, they'll put a phenomenal amount for that on the quote. They'll charge a huge amount on their quote. And if you go for it, they're basically treating it like a Christmas bonus. They're like, great, we didn't really want that because it's really awkward to deal with or we've got to pay a load of money out to source that particular element in ourselves. We've got to subcontract it. But mm -hmm. if they go for it, great, we've made a load of money. If they don't, the idea is to actually deter somebody from, from going for it. So it's just totally. a sort of win-win for them. I'm just curious as to whether or not you think the same thing happens with these types of quotes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, it happens all the time, like uh, the – thousand dollar sandbag or things like that but like i think that's where really it's important to walk go through your quotes line by line so like the thing i advocate for is called a quote walkthrough mm -hmm. where similar to kind of how we did on the av audit is walk through the quote line by line and have the av company explain every single line item because when you get to that line even whether or not they're showing individual line item pricing or not or they're showing group pricing what they if they have to explain every single line item they're going to very very quickly have to defend why they chose to do 40 rolls of gaff tape, 20 cables, microphone cables when there's only one microphone um, and everything like that. And then also at the same time, the, the bad benefit is you get free education because uh, for example, like I'm sure if that construction company had to walk you through and explain like what that inflated line item was, you might hear it in their voice to have to explain what it is. And you might actually not know what that was in the beginning. And you might just think, well, they're, they're the experts. They, if they, they need it, right? And obviously I think one of the reasons why many companies do these sort of malpractice um, on the quoting side of things is because people sign off on this stuff. They don't do quote walkthroughs. They're just like, I, I really don't know what I need. I guess. Okay, fine. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like to the whatever, last page. whatever. Yeah. yeah I've, it's in my budget. I guess, you know, I can afford it. So why quibble with the, with the, with the price? Um, and, I, and, and just to, to clarify something as well, Brandon, this particular example that we were talking about, were the organi was the organizer of the event contractually obliged to use this supplier? So they really had nowhere else to go. Exactly. And so that's the thing oh, that would made it extra, you know, extra needle in the eye is that, you know, and, and we even said, look, if this is your opening bid, you know, this is ridiculous and we have to use you guys, you know, sometimes you can, you can go to a venue and say, look, we'd like to buy out, you know, uh, you yeah. know, we'd like the ability to buy our way into using our third party. We'll give you a thousand bucks a day and you let us use whoever we want. And uh, they would not let us do that. Um, basically the response kept coming from, from on high. There's nothing we can do about it. It's part of the contract. You have to use the in-house. 
Um, so you're really stuck in a, in between a rock and a hard place at that point. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, Will and I preach all the time is that those things need to be taken care of at the negotiation point, you know, at the point, a point of signing of contract that, you know, if, if that's the way that venues are going to start treating their planners, um, then that makes that stage even more important. You know, it's, it's going to make it even more important that you negotiate these things in advance before you sign the contract, you know, and don't be afraid to, to reach out to like a will or myself, you know, an, an AV, a trusted AV partner that you've used in the past to take a look at the contract before you sign it. You know, when I, I used to work for a production company here in Minneapolis for about 18 years, and we would go to our clients begging them, let us look at that contract before you sign, even if you're not gonna yeah. use this next year. You might, we understand there's, you still gotta do the RFP and all that stuff and, and bid us against each other, we get that. But just, just let us take a look at it so that if we do get the business, we don't mind getting stuck, you don't mind getting stuck, you know, behind some of these, you know, more onerous uh, contract provisions. Yeah, and it's strikes. It strikes me straight away that the venues are having their cake and, and eating it because that they will be undoubtedly charging the event organizer in this particular instance for use of the venue and inevitably by their reaction and not being able to move at all from the contract, it strikes me quite clearly the AV company are paying a very large, whether it's an annual or a monthly fee to the organizer as part of that contract to have this status as an exclusive provider. So the event, the venue are making money from the AV company, they're making money from the organizer. And ultimately the only person who's losing out here is the organizer themselves um, yeah, with both other parties winning it. And, and it strikes me as grossly unfair um, to do this. You know, if you have an exclusive contract, charge a really low fee for people to come in and use the venue. So you can at least put forward a justifiable argument saying, look, yes, you have to use these guys, but we don't charge a lot for the venue. And we, we, Brent and I are hugely on that boat for sure too. Like, but, and, but we get it. Like the, the hotels are trying to always figure out ways to make money. Their businesses, you know, AV companies are trying to figure out a way to make money, but the problem becomes when it becomes so egregious, it becomes this malpractice mm -hmm. of like, we are just going to gouge you completely. Right. Like we, Oh, we're going to be the trap you in a, a, a room for five hours and we're going to be the only people that sell you water and the water is a thousand dollars water bottle. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you go to like sporting events now, you, people complain about the water bottle being $4 and they get their way and it drops in price. But then we have companies out here ripping clients off left and right for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it seems that, you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, I guess it's uh, just another day, another, uh, another business day. Yeah, I don't even mm -hmm. hold it against in-house AV companies charging more. Like I, I always say, you know, in my sessions that, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, the really expensive candy bar in the lobby store at yeah. a hotel, right? You know, it's that expensive. Yeah, you can go down the street to the, you know, local store and get it for a quarter of the price, you know, uh, in, but, you know, it's bar time and you want to get that candy bar and you're going to sign it to your room and who cares, you know? Yeah. So, you, you know, you, so you justify the cost. And I always looked at the, the in-house AV as the same thing, right? They're there, they're convenient, they know the space, you're gonna pay more for that convenience. 
where the line gets crossed for me is when then you're forced to use that. You know, if I mm-hmm. choose to get that candy bar at the lobby store because it's convenient and I don't want to go outside because it's raining and it's bar time and I don't want to deal with it, that's my choice. Or same with the, you know, the gummy bears in the hotel room, you know. But then if the same venue was to say, no, that's your only option. You're not allowed to leave this property. You cannot bring any outside food or drink in no matter what, not even little snack bars or anything. You know, th- people would revolt against that. And yet, you know, we're seeing this more and more often, uh, unfortunately, I think, with the in-house AV. So again, more more emphasis to the planners to try and nip this in the bud at the at the negotiation stage, to try and deal with it at that point in time, and be ready to walk away. You know, when we're dealing with these types of budgets and these types of overcharging, you could spend that money so much more wisely at a different venue that isn't going to do this to you. You really can. People will ultimately vote with your feet. But again, this this, this comes back to something that, that I've mentioned before, which is that um, event organizers, you know, I, I'm maybe or maybe not in a fortunate position where I have a, a good understanding of AV because I have a, a background in that. I'm involved in organizing and planning and running events and, and producing events. I'm not always involved directly in the technical side of things, but it allows me to have good conversations with the guys who are because, you know, it's a language. You can speak a language to them that they understand that you understand that and everybody is familiar with. Not everybody is in that position where they can do that. And so when it comes to things like AV, when it comes to things like Wi-Fi, the more technical aspects of it um dare i say it there is an element perhaps of of companies taking advantage of the naivety or ignorance of the people that they are dealing with to overinflate the prices and sometimes maybe not overinflate the prices but actually under spec what should be going in really for that's so that's something else that i've seen over here i don't know if you guys have seen that where you see quite a, an expensive quote but actually when you look at the equipment and actual hardware that they've put in you think well where's all the money gone because they haven't put in you know anything like what is required for this particular space totally and and maybe like i mean you bring up a good point like maybe the industry uh is getting to the point where i mean if we were taking a term from like doctors and from the healthcare world of malpractice but maybe it's something similar where it's like we need a do i do no harm kind of promise to to being in the events industry i mean like we obviously like we're not even getting into the malpractice of like ignorance when it comes to rigging and safety issues and yeah. things like that um yeah. but you know i think that um you know, if it's one of those things where like you're gouging someone on pricing, it's almost not, okay, not just as bad, but it is bad, right? Um, and like, I think it's really, really interesting that we might need to get to this point where we have a do no harm kind of a statement said. Yeah, and and it's, um, I, 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 again, it's, it's really difficult. I don't know how you guys have felt when you've been talking about it over there, but you know, it, it's very difficult not to accidentally sl- slip out the names of particular events or, or venues or, or, or companies. And it, you know, the easy thing is for people to listen in and say, oh, well, you know, you guys are in that business. So you're obviously bitter because you've maybe missed out on business. You know, it, it's an easy one probably to throw back at you, isn't it? Uh, 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 but it's not the case. You know, we've seen examples of this. I've seen examples of this in venues over here with, with food, particularly, you know, if you go to a big event venue, there are a number of them over here that you are contractually obliged to use their food concessions, you know, within your event space. And if you can pay a huge penalty to bring your own in, but that penalty is clearly not there to actually ever be paid. It's there to deter you from doing so. Um, And, 
I, I guess just given the scale of the geography over stateside, you know, the, the problem must be exponentially bigger because you will just have physically more venues. Therefore, it is probably a bigger problem and becoming a bigger issue to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's the worst when, you know, for example, one client, they have a really great experience at a venue and they're really happy and the AV company takes care of them and then they go to another property and it's a completely different experience, even though it's the same company. The same hotel property, like brand, things like that. It, I think it's, uh, it can be really, really egregious. Yeah, you, know, it's a, you guys bring up a great point, and it's one thing that we can do in addition to looking harder at the contracts at the beginning, um, is that we can actually, uh, you know, ask for references, just like you would if you were getting a third-party quote. Ask for references uh, for the in-house AV. You know, I would like to speak to a one of your previous events that um, you know, was about my size. And, and I would like to talk to them and find out how, you know, how the in-house AV did. Because mm -hmm. if they're consistently doing a bad job and then moving on to the next one and then doing a bad job moving on to the next one, and that information isn't getting passed to the next client, you know, we need that information so that we can make an educated choice uh, when it comes to our venue. You need to know that going in, I think. Sure, sure. Uh, how, how, is, um, how, how big a discussion has it prompted over where you are between, you know, other event organizers, uh, peers of your own who are working in the technical industry? Um, is it something that has got a growing momentum about it? Or is this a sort of an undercurrent of, um, of, of, of disillusionment? Um, so what's interesting is that like, I remember when we first started doing a little bit of education, Brant's been doing this education long before me. Um, that, that's why I think we're such good friends is that literally we're like, Hey, we're talking about the same things. Um, but, um, I felt like when, when I first started talking about it, people didn't know they had a choice. They didn't know yeah. that they, that this was going on. They knew something bad was happening, but they thought like, this is just the way it is. Welcome to what it's going to be. Well, now I feel like planners are more educated than ever. However, you can't, the, the AV, the venues, whoever it may be, uh, whoever it is, is figuring out ways to always find something new to have, to learn about, to be educated about. So like, you know, 10 years ago, it was, oh, restrictions on in-house AV and, you know, understand liaison fees and, you know, requirement versus uh, recommended and things like that. But now everyone knows like, okay, I can bring in a choice. I'm going to negotiate it beforehand. But then now they're slipping in things like, oh, well, if you go with us, we'll give you free Wi-Fi. And they'll yeah. be like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. They're like, but, you know, I'm really happy with my third party of becoming there. Cool. Wi-Fi is $30,000. <laughs> and they're like, I have like 100 attendees. What? $30,000. Sorry, that's just the price. If you need Wi-Fi, that's what it's going to be. Well, and then now it's, we're working really hard on the education for understanding Wi-Fi. It just feels like every single time we make a big step <laughs> forward, it's yeah. like three steps back and we have to educate this new thing on, on technology. So, um, Brent, go ahead. I'm not sure if you've seen anything different. Uh, no, I, ju I think I think as far as the environment you asked, it's it's uh, what's most frustrating to me is after the most recent round of mergers went, I, I wrote a couple different articles for a couple different magazines, uh, just expressing my concern, kind of like we're doing here, like whoa, you know, we're hearing from the hotel industry that they're less willing to negotiate because they're 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 emphasizing their transient overnight, you know, stays as opposed to events. Sure. We're hearing from the AV industry that there's fewer and fewer in-house AV providers. Providers, so they have less incentive to negotiate. So I kind of expressed some concerns about the environment that we're creating where neither the venue nor the in-house AV has any incentive really to negotiate. Um, and one of them got 
you know, pulled because the publisher was worried about their relationship with the large AV company in question. And the other one got heavily edited uh, by, by their editors uh, to, to tone down the language and make it, well, you know, maybe these things will happen, maybe they won't. So there's definitely, and in fact, there was a Reuters reporter who was looking into it as far as antitrust stuff. And that never came about. I mean, mm. she was looking for quotes from AV providers, looking for quotes from hoteliers um, and couldn't get anything on it. And so the story just died because nobody was willing scary. to talk on the record about this stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, so scary, scary stuff. Um, I, I'm uh, curious to ask about uh, the subject of education for organizers because I mentioned earlier that um, not always the case, but there will inevitably be occasions where organizers have been taken advantage of because the technical suppliers um, know that they won't understand what a particular item is in a quote. They won't you know, know what this is, so they'll just think, well, I need it, so I'm going to have to agree with this quote. Do, do you think that there is um, a big hole in terms of the skill set and understanding and the knowledge of event organizers that can be improved and we can go maybe through a long-term process of education in even giving them a basic understanding of what AV equipment does, what they need it, you know, simple, st you know, what is actually required to make somebody's voice go down a microphone and come out of a speaker. So they understand exactly what they need on a particular quote. Um, I think there is, I think the better the understanding people have about how something works, the more inclined they are to question something that they think that they don't need. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, the simple answer is yes. Short answer, yes. Yeah. Uh, um, I, Brant teaches a class in this stuff, um, and it's absolutely phenomenal. And I'm sure we can link it down in the show notes and things like that to check out. But I think one of the interesting things is that, and Brant and I've always talked about, is just the the stick is always made. Not only in addition to like now there's Wi-Fi you have to understand and how internet works and things like that, mm -hmm. so you can be educated. But technology, even just in the AV industry, something's always changing. Model names, there's and there's some basics you understand, which Brant's class teaches you about. But then there's also like the soup like. All it takes is for one new piece of technology to come in and you have to be like, okay, now I have to understand what this is and what it does. Um, so I feel like the stick is always kind of moving. There's some basics to understand, but that's one of the difficult things with technology and that it's like, it's, I mean, like, honestly, it's almost like a true competitive advantage for some of these companies doing malpractice is that the stick is always moving. I, mm. I, and I, I'm sure you've seen the same thing too, Brent. Like over the years, it's, you know, there's some basics, but it always feels like you're all constantly educating. Well, the big, the biggest resistance is always, well, I'm just not a techie person, you know, and, and for me, it's kind of like, you know, I think I forget, yeah. one of you two said it earlier that it's, it's kind of like a language and, okay. and it really is. And it's like saying, um, you know, I could never learn French because I'm not a Frenchy person, you know, I mean, any of us, you know, it doesn't take much to become, you know, conversational in this stuff. You don't have to be fluent, yeah. just be conversational in it and be able to, you know, get your BS detector up, you know, a little bit and then do what Will, you know, recommends of going through and having them walk you through the quote line by line, even though as a person who's done this for a long time, I'm capable of lining all this stuff up on my own. I'm starting to actually use that technique myself, mainly because it forces them to actually justify each one of those lines and say, okay, now why did you choose that? Okay, great. And then use your BS sniffer to, you know, start to go, wait, do I need seven rolls of tape per uh, room? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And I don't buy that I'm not a techie argument anymore um, because I, I think it's just 
BS, you know, now people have iPhones, they have Android phones in their pockets, they walk around with iPads, they walk around with Kindles, you know, they know how to plug in an Alexa device, you know, for somebody now to turn around and say, I'm not a techie person, it's absolute, it's nonsense. It's, it's, it's absolute nonsense that, you know, that it, it's, it's an easy way to sort of either dumb themselves down or buy out of having to understand an element of their job because everybody is a techie person in my view now. The, 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 you know, the, there's grandparents now that read the news on their iPad every day. You know, there's nobody that can't understand basic tech now. And we plug more stuff in now than, than we've ever done in our lives. So, so that's, that's just a minor rant to go off on, but I just don't buy the whole, I'm not a techie person. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, like, uh, let's say, let's use the entrepreneurial example. The entrepreneur who says, you know, I'm not really a finance guy. I don't really understand the numbers or I don't understand sales. It's not, you know, they're going to eventually get to the point where their company is going to need it. So what do they do? They get someone on their team who knows it and can work with them and help explain it. And that's where almost like this role of like being able to have someone on your team who is techie then who can help you. But the problem is a lot of times it's, I'm not even gonna have a techie person I'm gonna share this with. It's, I'm just gonna do this on my own and I'm not a techie person. It's like, that would be completely unacceptable in the business world to say like, oh, I'm sorry, I I, I don't do marketing. So we we just don't do marketing. Absolutely. (laughs) And we said at the top of the episode, um, you know, the, 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 broad subject today was over malpractice and we should we should remind ourselves that malpractice is not just just misquoting on pricing and and, and the financial side of things there's all sorts of, of of things that can be considered malpractice or you know perhaps not best practice is a better way of putting it in um in the industry um brand i'll come to you you know you're advising clients you're looking you know as a, as a consultant as a freelancer um not tied to any one person you're probably looking and working with lots and lots of different suppliers what are the types of example that we're seeing at the moment of of malpractice in this particular industry well as soon as will and i started kind of throwing around this word uh, malpractice now obviously it's, it's usually learned, used in the context of medical right you know where you've made an egregious mistake i think overpricing often often falls into that but it definitely got my mind expanding a little bit into what some of the other possibilities are and i think a really interesting example came out of the news you know uh, this year where uh, there was a, a a show where president trump was uh, you know uh, came out as the keynote speaker for a, a youth group and they had a presidential seal behind him that was not the actual presidential seal. It was kind of a spoof presidential seal <laughs> that someone had pulled off of, you know, online as an online graphic. And that one really started, and I kind of thought about that one. I was like, so, you know, regardless of what your political beliefs are and whether or not you believe someone is, you know, the best president ever or the worst president ever, you know, we have a, you know, we, in the events industry, you, we use the term duty of care or we're starting yeah. to use it a lot more. I think in the AV industry, we need to be aware of that as well. And that, you know, I find it really hard to believe that nobody noticed that. Yeah. I can think of examples where it's possible, but I think I think somebody's politics got in the way and was like, you know, even if it was one of the staffers that gave them the graphic and said, this is the one you should put up and you kind of look at it and go, okay, I think there's an obligation, you know, kind of see something, say something at that point, because it was clearly not the presidential seal. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a joke seal. And so you know, I think in the terms of AV malpractice, anytime uh, you've, you've, you've been given uh, content or a PowerPoint presentation or something along those lines that you look at it and go, this is going to make my, you know, make the speaker look bad, make the, you know, make the client look bad, make the company look bad. You have an obligation, I think, to say something. And if the client's response is, nope, that's what we want to use, 
okay, but at least you tried and at least you made an effort. I think, I think that goes a long way. Sure. And there's a recent example in, uh, in, a, in a soccer match in um, Africa, an international soccer match where uh, the, the wrong national anthem was played. You know, and and that's clearly somebody who has misheard the name of the country and gone, right. all right, I'll get that one out of the file or whatever. And and um, I suppose things like that, I guess, uh, maybe not malpractice, but I would just say lazy. That uh, they're, they're lazy mistakes. They're people who they haven't bothered to, to prove something properly. They haven't bothered to do their due diligence to double check to make sure. Hold on, is this okay? You know, and I'm all for giving you know, delegation and giving people responsibility. And that's your task. That's your task. But ultimately with something as important as this, when you're delivering content for clients who are paying you money, there needs to be a collective effort to ensure that every element of that is, is correct. Doesn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that I, I, I definitely think that laziness can come into it for sure too, mm -hmm. but also one of these things where uh, inexperience comes with it as well is that if you're bringing on an AV company and you're like, uh, you know, I think a lot of AV companies will say, hmm, you know, maybe we can get away with sending the B squad on this one or, you know, yeah. this person. And, you know, like I've sat in so many AV meetings, I'm sure as Brad has, and heard those things. they like, oh, yeah, that person will tell you, that, like, nothing crazy will happen. And then that one person, I realized, and this is one reason why, like, I designed my company the way it was, is I realized that the number one linchpin was the people. It wasn't this, like, oh, uh, we decided to send the Panasonic projector instead of the Barco projector. I mean, sometimes it happens, but usually things go wrong and things are always going to go wrong. It's the people who can recover on it. And it definitely became apparent. I remember I was doing one show and we had this LED screen. And what happened is um, we hired the AV company to do, to do the LED screen. The, they said, okay, well, we're going to send this person. And I knew that person was not a video person. They were a lighting person. They said, you know, we'll teach them how the LED screen works, everything like that. And I said, okay, I trust you. Like, no big deal at all, right? Lo and behold, there was an issue with it. And that person didn't understand the technology well enough. And what I'm happening is the screen, screen just never worked. So I ended up having to like talk to my client and be like, we're going to, you know, as a planner, we're yeah. going to refund you all this money. And it was because the company was like, look, we're going to save a little bit of money or, you know, we're, we're light on people. We'll send this person instead. Um, yeah. And I think that's a little bit of malpractice. It's a tricky one because, the, the, you know, everyone would say that they would prefer to have had the screen work than the money back, you know, yeah. because it looks bad as well. You, you rig it, you put it up, you know, it's there. And then, you know, what do you do when it doesn't work half an hour before the show opens? You know, you've got no choice but to leave it there and have a giant great white elephant in the room that doesn't work. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the flip side, well, not the flip side, but, but the other sort of uh, issue there and to move on from the point you were making, Will, is, is I've had experience before where organizers build up really good relationships with certain crews that they've worked on year in, year out, or sometimes month to month on, on a particular project. And there's always that opportunity, isn't there, where the AV company gets the chance to deliver another project on the same day. And they think, well, we've been doing this one for a few years now. So let's bring in some freelancers. Let's put some other guys on there. And straight away, that's a recipe, not a recipe for disaster, but from that client relationship point of view, there's always that risk that, that looks like you're now devaluing or taking for granted the business from that company because you've had it for years to then put your main guys on another project. I'm sure you probably had to juggle that client relationship many, many times. Oh, definitely. I mean, like you have to, like as a business owner, you have to decide then at that point, you know, what's more important, this piece of revenue, our reputation, 
and, or the client's event. And it should yeah. always be the client's event first um, because, and again, we're not even going into safety related issues. <laughs> is that like, and we're just talking simple things like a graphic yeah. doesn't go up the right way or something doesn't work properly or something just doesn't look as good as it needs to. Um, but, you know, a lot of times you have to just say no. And honestly, I think that um, we're all so growth hungry now. I mean, this may even go into more business related stuff than it is AV related stuff, but like, yeah. everyone's so all about growth. We have to grow 200% year over year, this and that. But to be honest, like uh, the times I've said no and the times I've said I don't care about growth, I care more about client success. Growth just comes naturally anyways, because what ends up happening is you say, I'm sorry, like we're booked. And they go, oh, wow, you're really good. Like, you're booked. <laughs> like, you're saying no to money? Then they always come back to you. Um, it's the, but the times where we said yes and we thought, eh, this might be kind of sketchy, you know, that's when we always end up uh, regretting it for sure. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Hey, one more point on, on personnel, Will. Please, Brent, Brent yeah. Great, a great point about how important the people are. Um, and this is something for planners to keep in mind and, and AV folks to keep in mind as well, is I've absolutely been in a position where, you know, the, the A2, who is the person who is, you know, backstage and making sure all the mics have the batteries, you know, properly, you know, charged and, you know, are, you know, full batteries and the, and the frequencies are working and are usually the last person a speaker sees before sure. they go on stage because they're, they're putting on the microphone and helping them get settled with that that's a really underrated position that you know because mm -hmm. of all that they have to keep track of you know if the batteries aren't if you're not keeping an eye on the battery you know uh, batteries in the microphones those have a chance to go out if you're not you know if you're not personable uh, you know, even as, as you're getting that, you know, getting yeah. your speakers ready, you know, they stink like cigarette smoke or something like that because they just, you know, ducked out because they had 10 minutes in the middle of a general session and didn't ask anybody. I've absolutely been in the position where, you know, we, we went to the AV provider and we're like, this guy has got to go because he's, you know, he's terrible. And, you know, they brought someone in off vacation, you know, to come, you know, to come sure. do our show who, who, you know, then had a nice suit on and was pleasant and was able to, you know, make sure just, you know, to handle kind of the basics of, of yeah. backstage AV, you know. I, I, th I think it's a great point. I, I've had that experience within the last year of working with, with somebody who clearly was never destined to be in a role where they have to interact with other people. You know, he was quite happy with his mixing desk and that was it beyond that, just unwilling to do anything. And, and the, the people skills as well as the technical skills are critical in this line of work. Um, and perhaps it's something that, that, that we can, we can, we can pick up at a later date because I'm, I'm looking at the time. And, and um, for those of you who've been listening to today's <laughs> podcast, um, Will and Brand have been talking to us about AV malpractice. It began with a discussion um, looking at the subject of in-house supplies in venues. And um, I suppose we can say the liberties that some of them are taking with their role as an exclusive supplier in certain venues and some of the issues that that's caused. But it's prompted certainly a wider discussion on AV malpractice. And what I'd like to propose, guys, live on the podcast now is can we get you back on i feel like we've only just started to scratch the surface i feel like the link up between multiple podcasts from the uk over to the united states is one that we should continue and how would you feel about coming back on the show we'll pick up this discussion at a later date i think absolutely I, uh, Brad Stig has said yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was, about to, I, I, I was literally that. about to say absolutely as well. So you, you <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. Literally. 
And, and, and for those of you listening to today's podcast, please get over to eventindustrynews.com and look at the video because we've got two seasoned professionals on the podcast today, seasoned professionals with microphones and headphones and everything. You know, it's, it's really, it's, it's a, this, this is a proper setup today and I've really enjoyed it. But we've come to the end of time, unfortunately. So we do have to wrap it up. But having committed to it live on air, they are now contractually obliged <laughs> to stay with the in-house supplier of podcasts at this particular <laughs> podcast platform. That is us. Um, we thank Will Curran. Will is the chief event Einstein over at Endless Events in Phoenix, Arizona. Will, thanks for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, James. And Brandt Kruger from uh, Minneapolis in Minnesota joining us. Um, as I said at the top of the show, Brand is a technical producer, educator, and consultant within the live events industry. And it's been great to have you both on the show. And I very much look forward to our next meeting and picking up this discussion. I shall keep all of my notes rather than filing them under B1N. And uh, we'll pick up this discussion at a later date. As I said, if you're watching today's episode of the podcast, go over to your favorite podcast platform on your phone or your iPad or whatever it is and uh, click that button subscribe to the event industry news podcast listen to all the audio only versions don't forget as well you've got event icons you've got event brew and the event tech podcast that you can also subscribe to and listen to more of will and brand talking all things event from their perspective um and get onto eventindustrynews.com finally loads of features loads of news on there find out what's happening in the industry and we will see you again on this podcast very very soon thanks to our guests again my name's james dixon goodbye Thank you.